The following program is paid for by Busey Bank. It's time for Money Talk, your chance to call in and receive answers to all your financial questions, from investment management to planning for your retirement and beyond. The experts at BC Wealth Management are here to help, so you don't have to navigate these difficult financial decisions alone. The views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. Call in now, 356-9397. And now here is Money Talk. Hi. Hi, welcome to Busey Money Talk. My name is Mark Wisniewski. Uh, I am one of the hosts today, along with Aaron Sutton, who is a Senior Vice President and Investment Portfolio Manager. And we have a special guest today. We have Spencer Fields. Uh, he's one of our financial advisors. Uh, we thought today, being a, a great start to the new year, we'd have Spencer on board. Uh, he's going to talk a little bit about financial planning. Aaron's going to kind of go over the markets. Um, I tell you what, woo, is it cold outside? I mean, oh my gosh, Th these are the days where I say to myself, why aren't I in Florida or Arizona or someplace a little bit warmer? And where's the snow? We've had no snow this year. I know, year. that's crazy. the weird part, too. Yeah. Is, you know, I, this time of year, I'm usually trying to wait to get a car washed, but I don't even need one because we haven't had any snow to make the car dirty. Exactly. So... Anyways, uh, I'll tell you what, why don't we just go ahead and uh, turn it over to Aaron to start off just talking about uh, the market from last year, maybe kind of even just give a little uh, forecast of what you think the market's going to do this year. I mean, a lot of, lot of you know, different things going on. I mean, I know, you know, home sales at the end of the year were a little bit down, interest rates have spiked, but uh, I will let you talk about all that. Sure, yeah. So there's a lot of interesting things happening in the market right now, and it's been quite a major shift since our last radio show. So, yeah, we finished the year just on a real high note. I know it was quite a bit of fun to do that last show and yeah, talk about exactly. some of the numbers we were seeing. <laughs> um, that was about the middle of December, and the market continued to rally uh, really into the end of the year. So that was one of the best Decembers we had had in the last decade or so. So it was wow. really... Uh, quite a rally there at the end of the year. Uh, a lot of people termed it the Santa Claus rally. Uh, oh, so, yeah, just I, a I great way that. to finish the year. Uh, but fast forward to today, and like I said, it's looking quite a bit different. So as we sit here today, we've seen markets cool off a little bit. Uh, <laughs> as we started the year, um, you know, Mark and I were talking before the meeting, you know, about one of our fellow coworkers' 401K plan, and just surprised to see some oh, negative yeah. returns. Uh so it's something different than what people have been used to uh, the last several years. So uh, we'll get into those numbers in a little bit. Uh, again, don't want to scare anybody too much. You know, these are just, I would say, some a slight downturn at this point. Uh, nothing too serious, but it is quite a bit of difference than what right. we saw last year. Yeah, no, I, I hope uh, the markets like the weather. It's a little bit chilly right now, but <laughs> it's going to heat up after a while. I hope you're right. hope you're right. So... Looking at some of the economic data we like to go through, uh, one of the numbers that comes out today is the initial jobless report, so we always like to cover that one. And unfortunately, uh, those jobless claims were up a little bit in this report. So they were up about 55,000 to 286,000 uh, from the prior reading, and that's actually a three-month high for that reading. So unfortunately, we did see jobless claims tick up a little bit. I think most people here are pointing to the Omicron variant uh, popping up and the cases increasing right. pretty dramatically. 
uh, that looks like it's having a little bit of an impact on both travel and people going out to restaurants. Um, so you may have seen some layoffs uh, around those two industries primarily. Sure, sure. Yeah, the whole Omicron, you know, uh, virus and it's just amazing. My daughter works at one of the uh, testing sites. And okay, she, uh, <laughs> I love it because you know how these. My she's twenty two, uh, resilient and everything else. But she'll she'll call us up, you know, as she's going back to her uh, apartment, just talking about how exhausted she is. Oh, just I imagine because the amount of people that just funnel through right now, especially with the U of I students just coming back this week as well. Mm-hmm. So it, she said it's just crazy. I think they're doing like close to a 2,000 tests a day. Wow. So. Wow. Yeah, that's I've seen some of the lines on TV, and, yeah, I would not want to be a part of that. But, no, good for her that she's doing that. That's great, uh, you know, helping people out like that. Um, yeah, so, again, um, the other number that comes out today is continuing claims uh, for oh, jobless claims. Right. Uh, that also rose slightly to uh, 1.64 million. So again, both of those are ticking up a little bit here recently. And again, I think it's due to uh, primarily that variant popping up. Uh, a little bit on the brighter side, though, we did get a manufacturing report uh, from the Philadelphia region. Uh, so again, we've talked about this in, in several shows. Uh, this comes out every time uh, this part of the month. And basically, it's a Federal Reserve uh, reading on manufacturing activity. And this particular one is in the Philadelphia area, and it is showing some nice growth there. So, uh, again, that was a positive reading there. And this is actually contrasted to what we saw in New York, uh, where manufacturing activity has actually leveled off somewhat uh, and has actually been flat recently. So it was good to see that we're still getting some good readings in some other areas of the country because, like I said, that New York region had been a little weak in the last reading. Uh, And then, Mark, you mentioned home sales there at the beginning. Uh, so a reading on that, they did fall about 4.6% in December. And it's not due to lack of buyers. Right. It's basically due to lack of sellers. Really? Uh, yeah, so oh, the supply okay. is just huh. really tight right now. Uh, the article I read said there's less than a two-month housing supply out there currently. What? Wow. Exactly. So, oh, my gosh. Yeah, if there was more supply, I think we'd definitely right. be seeing some more activity. Um you know, going from memory, I think there's probably at least a six-month to a year supply in a normal market. Wow. So having less than two months is, is a really tight supply for the housing market. Sure. You know, one, th- one thing I'd like to see, too, uh, with the whole housing market, I was talking to someone that's looking to build a house. Okay. And they were, you know, looking at, you know, what the uh, per cost, per square foot, whatever to build now. I would, I would lo- love to just see somebody tell me, let's say back in 2019 or the end of 2019, what the cost to build a house was then and what it is today, comparison today. I would like to see that too. I know we had the lumber prices spike, uh, you know, last year. Right. And so I'm sure that really uh, brought the cost up. But I believe lumber prices have come back down, so maybe it's gotten more uh, to some normal levels. But, yeah, to your point, if we got any listeners out there that know the uh, cost to build a house, feel free to call Yeah, in, exactly. Give uh, us and let data. us know. Yeah, give us an update. Um Now, related to prices, though, that tight supply and good demand is definitely pushing up prices. So the median price for a home is up about 16% over last year to $358,000 is the median price. So certainly uh, we've seen prices going up. You know, the low interest rates help that. Uh, And this is part of the factor that goes into inflation here recently. Uh, There is a housing component. Oh, sure. That the Federal Reserve looks at. And so when housing prices are going up, 
rents are typically going up, and yeah, that's certainly having an impact on inflation. You know what else is going to go up? What's I know. That? I know how the city of Champaign operates. Real estate taxes. So. <laughs> you can bet <laughs> they look yep. for every opportunity. Exactly. I, I shouldn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see that adjustment next year. Um, so yeah, that's all I had for the economic data. You know, looking at the markets, like I mentioned earlier, you know, we have sold off a little bit. Now, since the last show, we're actually kind of about where we were in the middle of December. But if we look year to date, uh, I think some of these numbers might surprise people. So looking at the S&P 500, that's down about 5% uh, just here in January. Uh, mid and small caps have gotten hit a little harder. So mid caps are down about 5.5%. Wow. Small caps are down about 8% to start the year. So hmm. almost in correction territory wow. there for the Russell 2000. Now what's interesting We've also seen a major shift of what's doing well and what's doing poorly within the market. So last year, we talked a lot about the growth stocks really leading the way. You know, things like technology stocks, other companies growing their earnings faster. Well, it's completely reversed here in 2022. Uh, The growth stocks, if you just isolate those within the S&P 500, they're down about 8.5%. But the value stocks are down only 1%. Um, So, yeah, it's certainly been driven by those technology uh, names. I will have to call you out, Aaron. You called it in December. We were talking about this, I remember, on the radio, and you clearly said the value stocks were going to come more into play in 2022 and that growth would slow down. So I I give you you all the props here. Well, we'll see how the rest of the year goes. uh, It's a good start to your forecasting. It's nice to be right for at least a month time frame, but... uh, (laughs) Yeah, we'll see how the rest of the year goes. But, you know, to that point, even with this divergence we've seen so far, um, the valuations are still um, definitely in favor of the value stock. So those growth stocks, even though they sold off some here, uh, definitely still look more expensive than the overall market. Um, Now, again, to that point, if we look at the sectors of the market that are doing well, Energy stocks uh, are really having a tremendous start to the year. They're already up 16% year-to-date, uh, and that's really on the back of oil prices. Wow. Uh, oil's up about $10 a barrel so far to start the year. Uh, other than that, it's financial stocks are up slightly, but then everything else uh, within the S&P 500 index is down to start the year. Hmm. Yep. Um, now, looking internationally, uh, things have held up a little better there. So. Uh, developed international stocks, they're only down about 1.5%. Uh, and emerging markets are actually positive to start the year. Uh, they're actually up about 0.7% so far. Uh, and then finally, this is really where we've seen some movement, and I think going to be a big focus this year is the bond market. So uh, we've already seen yields rising so far to start the year, even before the Fed's done anything as far as uh, hiking rates. Uh, granted, they have dialed back some of their bond purchasing, uh, but they're probably not going to hike rates until a little later this year. Uh, but the 10-year Treasury bond, when we had our show last month, it was right around 1.45% is what it was yielding. Now it's up to 1.83. Wow. That's so about a, a huge, 40 basis right. point increase already uh, just in about a month time frame. And uh, listeners of the show will know, but if you haven't been listening, bond prices and interest rates move inversely. So right. when interest rates go up, Bond prices go down, and so if we're looking at that Barclays aggregate index, it's down about 2.2% to start the year. 
Uh, so yeah, off to a rough start already uh, early in 2022. Yeah, that's 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 the interesting part too. I mean, definitely you know the interest rates. I mean, but that to me that's just a big pop. It is. Uh, to, you know, big begin the year so. And it's across uh, really the entire yield curve. So uh, we've seen two year rates come up pretty dramatically. The five year rate. Uh, the only place we haven't seen much movement is really in the longer term stuff. So. Uh, like the 30-year Treasury bond uh, really hasn't moved all that much uh, here recently. It's really been those shorter-term rates. And I think it's naturally kind of two things going on. Number one, we've had the higher inflation readings. That puts upward pressure on rates. You know, people want to earn more on their fixed income investments if inflation's running 6 or 7%. And then also, too, like we talked about, the Federal Reserve is really shifting policy this year. Uh, most likely going to hike probably three times, maybe even four times this year. Uh, so I think rates are moving in anticipation of that. Wow. So what's your, what's your quick forecast before we take a break? Yeah, I think um, kind of what we've been seeing already. Um, I'm still optimistic that we can finish up this year, but I think we are going to see a little more volatility this year than we did last year. The primary reason being is with this shift in Federal Reserve policy creates a lot of uncertainty in the market. So there's going to be a lot of speculation around, again, how fast they're going to raise, uh, how much each raise will be, uh, what impact that's going to have on you know consumer spending, on inflation, all these things. There's a lot of unknowns. And when there's a lot of unknowns, uh, that causes volatility in the market. So again, I think that's probably going to be with us for the foreseeable future. But again, I'm still optimistic we can finish up this year uh, here in the U.S. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I mean, and, but that that also uh, reinforces the point about uh, doing your reallocation every year. Absolutely. I mean, you, you should you should look at reallocating, uh, taking the time uh, to get that done. Well, why don't we go ahead and uh, take a quick break here, and then we'll turn it over to to Spencer to kind of to talk about a little about financial planning. You've set your financial goals. One kid plans to go Big Ten, the other Ivy. Your bucket list includes seaside sunrises and sunsets on the slopes, or perhaps a second home away from it all. Busey Bank can help develop the right investment strategy to take charge of the years ahead. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868, proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini, member FDIC. Take charge of the years ahead with a smart, sound investment strategy and business succession plan. UC Bank's business and wealth management experts help you envision your best future with powerful insights and proven strategies. Building business and growing wealth since 1868. UC Bank, proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini, member FDIC. Welcome back to Busey's Money Talk. My name is Mark Wisniewski. I am one of the two hosts today, Aaron Sutton. Uh, who's a senior vice president, investment portfolio manager, is the other host. And our special guest today is Spencer Fields. Spencer's a financial advisor uh, for Busey Investment Services. Spencer does an absolutely fantastic job. I thought this would be an ideal time to bring Spencer in uh, to kind of talk about financial planning for the new year. With the start of a new year, it's always a good time to review your financial plan. So welcome, Spencer. Um, Thanks for having me on the show. No problem. So, New Year, great time to start. Why is it beginning a new year a good time to start financial planning? Sure, sure. Are you a big resolutions guy, Mark? 
Uh, you know, I used to be, but I found, I found myself never keeping to them, so I kind of stopped making Reality them. Reality set in. Exactly. <laughs> that 10, 20 pounds I need to lose, you know, every, every single time. I'm not big into resolutions myself either, but uh, start of the new year to me, there's still that fresh feeling. It's a great time to kind of review the past year's household finances and uh, everything going on with your financial life and then kind of take stock of, of how the last 12 months went and, and set a plan for the next 12 months. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree 100%. I mean, one, I'm just glad 2021's over uh with and you know i'm looking forward as you know my my resolution and i guess it can't be a resolution but i would love to see the end of covid or or a much reduced where mm-hmm. we go back to not having to wear masks all the time um but so spencer you know if if i'm looking to create a financial plan uh what's what's the best place to start yeah yeah so really the process starts i think with assessing where you're at currently and and that's why this is really a great time of year to start that process so it's not only taking stock of your balance sheet you know looking at at what you own and and what you owe i like to say so assets and liabilities uh, also looking at at expenses so i personally take the first several years of of every january to go back like i said review household finances um you know there's several different tools out there available to folks to help track your expenses um, and, and that sort of thing. It's looking at expenses as as well as income. It's a great time to do that too because we're all going out there collecting, you know, tax docs and that sort of thing to pass on to our accountants or or if you prepare yourself. Um, that data gathering step is really going to be step one in, in the financial planning process. Um, from there, then we really start talking about setting goals. Um, so it's important, I think, for folks to have goals, write those goals down, share those goals with you know members of your family, friends, relatives, that sort of thing. Try and keep yourself accountable to those. But um, when we specifically here at BUC talk with our clients about setting goals, there's really two parameters that I look for. One of those is that the goals are numerical. The other is that the goals are time bound. Um, and the reason for well, that. Well, just step back. When you say numerical, yeah. what do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. So we need to, so the start of a great goal, what we hear from a lot of people is I want to retire at X age, okay. 55, 60. Sure. That's, that's a great start. That's not really a, a goal, though, a complete goal, the sure. way we look at it. So when I say numerical, I'm looking at what does retirement look like to you? You know, me retiring uh, at 55 versus uh, Aaron versus yourself right. retiring at 55. You know, I know you're a big golfer, Mark. Your, your golf budget may be a little bit more than, than my <laughs> golf budget. Well, unfortunately, uh-huh. I'm past 55, so <laughs> I but, missed that But his score's <laughs> going to be higher, so. There you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Aaron. <laughs> Uh, so it's really coming up with what does retirement look like to you? We have that conversation all the time with clients, not just from a monetary standpoint, but when you retire, how do you fill that 40-plus hours a week that you oh, have otherwise know, been dedicated right. to, to your job? You know, is it volunteerism? Is it traveling? Is it spending time with family? All three of those are going to have a different financial input right. requirement. Right. Um, so when I'm talking about a numerical goal for retirement in that instance, it's boiling down, what do we think your income needs are going to be in year one versus year two versus year 20 of retirement? And then time bound is that, so setting an age or a date 
for the start of the goal, but just as importantly, a, a date for the end of the goal. Um, you know, in, in retirement, we're looking here at BUC, longevity risk is something we talk about with clients all the time with the improvements in medical technology and, and that sort of thing, uh, making sure that you're planning for a lengthy retirement and, and taking that into consideration when we're putting together a financial plan. No, I, I think that's huge because, you know, uh, my father-in-law always would joke with us that, you know, he, he comes from a, a, a long line of uh, short livers. And what I mean by the short livers is, you know, his, I think his mom died at 65, his dad died at 66, and then, you know, his grandparents were like 64, 63. So, you know, he's like, well, you know, maybe I'll make it to 67, you know, and he just turned 75 in December. So I think it's huge, but it also goes to exactly what you said is, you know, the life expectancy has gone up significantly in with medical. I mean, this is a guy that was a construction worker for his whole life, had his own construction company, um, but he never went to see a doctor until he retired. Mm -hmm. And now he goes, unfortunately, you have to hear all his problems, aches, pains, (laughs) and all that. But sorry to digress. (laughs) But anyways, life expectancy is a lot longer. Yeah, and the reason really behind that, so when we look at goals that are time-bound and, and that are numerical, the reason for that is, one, it, it gives us something to solve for. So we've got a savings goal that sure. we can back into for retirement. But more importantly than that, they're, they're measurable and they're trackable. So we talk about this a lot with clients with financial plans where it's not, it's not a document that we put together for clients once and then, you know, boom, you've done your financial plan. This is something that we revisit with them, if not annually, at least biannually. So every two years getting together. And, uh, you know, we've got an advisor here at Busey that that talks about it from a boating capacity, you know, where the financial plan kind of sets those buoys or bumpers if you're a bowler. Sure. Um, so making sure when we go back and, and revisit that you're staying in your lane, not straying too far from those initial projections. And, uh, again, if, if we have these kind of nebulous goals out there. It's tough for us to tell if we've strayed away, but by picking specific and, and measurable and trackable goals, we're able to make sure that our clients are staying on track over time. No, I mean, that that's huge. I mean, you know, I was having a conversation with my wife this past weekend, and kind of what you were talking about is, you know, I, I always make the joke that, you know, what's what's hers is hers and what's mine is both of ours. And <laughs> so she, she, she works, uh, loves her job, um, but has her own checking account. And kind of like what you said, too, is she didn't map out a goal or a strategy. And she says to me, you know, I made all this money last year. What happened to it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I said, well, let's take a look at your checking account. Let's just go through <laughs> month by month to see, you know. And, of course, she had no plan. So she just spent it however she wanted to. <laughs> Absolutely. And we see that all the time. Um, so, uh, again, another important piece of not only setting those goals, but I think communicating right. with someone else to, to play into that accountability factor and, and make sure that it's not just you who's aware of those goals. Um, so uh, again, really a great time, I think, to consider starting the financial planning process if it's nothing you've done in the past. Right. Um, I think that starts with reaching out to a, a certified financial planning professional. We've got um, actually a team of folks here at Busey, which is where I first started w- when I joined Busey. So I got my degree in, in financial planning here at the University of Illinois and, and actually hopped right into the financial planning team here at Busey. So uh, a topic I'm, I'm passionate about, but would certainly recommend that 
you know, if you're interested in, in starting the financial planning process for the first time, seeking out a, a CFP or a certified financial planning professional to help guide you through that process. No, I think I think that's big. You want to have somebody that's you know definitely you know has the has the proper designation, and the CFP is you know the highest designation out there for a financial planner. Um, yeah, and that's that's one thing I've always appreciated about you, Spencer. Too, from one of the first times I met you and had a conversation with you, you, you talked about how you, that's something you're passionate about. How you want to help, uh, even let's say a young business entrepreneur, you know, find find where he wants to be and how to get him there. So. Absolutely. And Aaron and his team at Busey do a fantastic job of managing the investment returns, the risk component of, of the portfolios of our clients here at Busey. I think when a lot of people think about what we do at Busey Wealth Management, that's kind of where their perception starts and stops. Right. They're a firm who takes your funds and, and they invest them. Um, really, we like to think the best way to approach wealth management, financial management as a whole is through the financial planning process. That's no doubt a critical component of long-term success is, is generating returns off your investments. But there's so many other components that come into play there. You know, we've talked a lot about retirement today, but, um, you, you know, people have goals, you know, saving for children or grandchildren's education, buying a second house. Um, uh, something we see from a lot of people is, is not necessarily a goal, but a concern is planning for that potential for a long-term care expense right. towards mm -hmm. the end of their life. Um, so financial planning really is going to take a peek at not just your investments and your incomes and outflows, but making sure we're evaluating you know, all the insurance products that are at your disposal or, or that you currently own, um, making sure that we're taking a peek at estate planning documents and that you've got wills, powers of attorney, trusts if they're necessary. Um, it's really a, it's a comprehensive process. You know, It really looks at everything in your financial world top-down. And we really like it because the financial plan allows us to drive everything that touches your finances, make sure that it's all pulling in the right direction towards those goals that we're going to identify at the start of the process. Yeah, wow. I mean, it's it's. it's I mean, kind of like you're a coach in in a way. I mean, you you're just trying to figure out where this person wants to be, and then every little piece that surrounds him or all these decisions. I mean, like you talked about, you know, a house, you know, kids, education, everything else. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that that's, I mean, that's all great stuff to me. And, you know, you talked about, you know, setting financial and investment goals. I mean, what, what, what are some keys to like setting investment goals? Sure. Absolutely. Well, uh, I think it's important to consider several factors. One of them is going to be obviously your risk tolerance. Um, you know, at Busey, it's something that we're very yeah, sensitive right. about with, with our clients. And uh, I think there's really two components to establishing an appropriate investment allocation. One of them is going to be just a static kind of questionnaire and a conversation with your advisor about how much risk are you comfortable with. The other way that I like to go about it is actually through the financial planning process. So what we're able to do when we put together our projections and our models for clients is figure out what we think the minimum level of risk that they're going to need to take to achieve their goals is. So we've got that lower bound, and then through conversations and questionnaires, we're able to find the upper bound of how much risk they're comfortable taking. As long as we can find a risk tolerance in between those two bounds, that means I'm comfortable as an advisor, knowing that we're taking at least as, as much risk as we need to to achieve those goals so, and taking less risk than they're comfortable with. So how do you determine that? I mean, I, I, I could see somebody, you may like, say, okay, how risky are you? Are, is there like a questionnaire? What, what tools 
do you utilize for that? Yeah, so we've got a, a questionnaire that we use, and, and it's that in conjunction with kind of deep conversations with clients. You know, I've always been of the mindset that people are brave on paper. Mm-hmm. You know, when we fill out <laughs> these questionnaires and how do you right. how are you going to respond if if your account drops fifteen percent in year one? Right. Um, you know, jumping up and down on the table is not an option, but for some clients, I, I feel like it should be. Um, so it's a combination of not only the questionnaire, but then conversations and, and really knowing your client uh, at a deep level. And, and you take that into consideration with the, the outputs of the financial plan models. Well, yeah, I, I mean, think uh, right. just to jump in here, right. a, a key point around that is, and Spencer, see if you agree with this, that people's risk tolerance changes, uh, especially from when they're working, they have a paycheck oh, coming in, they're right. saving, and then they make this shift all of a sudden where they don't have a paycheck and all they have is this pot of money they saved up. Well, their risk tolerance might be quite a bit different than what it was uh, just a few years ago. Is that something you would agree with? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's just as important to revisit the risk tolerance on a biannual basis or, or maybe even mm-hmm. annually uh, as it is the financial plan as a whole. You know, yep. uh, Like you mentioned, Aaron, whether it's life circumstances or uh, kind of personality shifts, mm-hmm. the risk tolerance is something that's going to evolve over a, a lifetime as well. Exactly. Yep. So as we're getting close to the end of the show, what what – is there any just quick tips you'd recommend for people to get started? Well, I, I would say, obviously, I, I'm a big proponent of everything we do here at Busey. Um, uh, the quick and easiest way to get in touch with us at Busey's, you can either you know visit any local branch and, and ask about it. Uh, you can call in at, at 1-800-67-BUSEY or just visit Busey.com. Um, we would start with a free kind of brief consultation, sitting down, kind of discussing goals with you and, and how the process works um, and, and give you a chance to evaluate how we work at, at Busey and if it's something you'd like to engage us in moving forward. Well, thanks, Spencer. I appreciate your time and your knowledge, too. I mean, like I said, it generated a lot of things uh, I've been thinking about. Aaron, as always, thanks. Uh, we've got some good football games coming up this weekend. I know Spencer's a big football fan. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I know his Cowboys got knocked out, even though he's not a Cowboy <laughs> fan. But anyways, uh, thanks for listening to Busey Money Talk. Uh, w- welcome to the new year on WDWS.